Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of On Purpose. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and sitting across from me is the awesome Heidi Stevens. Hi, guys. It's been a couple of weeks, Heidi. It has. You know what? We I think we took one week off, but somehow every um, day of 2019 feels like a month. It does. Yeah. So it's a I, painful news cycle. <laughs> right. I actually feel like I haven't seen you in a year and a half. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to catch up here. Yeah. No, you've aged. No, I'm just kidding. You I know. I'm thinking about getting some surgery done just to yeah, clean no, things up a little bit. You should. A little Botox. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know someone. You, you know a guy? Yeah. Um, it's a woman, but yeah, I know. Okay, fine. Uh, so... <laughs> There's there's a ridiculous number of things to talk about, and most of them are horrible. Right. That's true. Yeah. I, I feel like um, for our sanity and also as, um, you know, just sort of an approach to life, we could tackle like one or two horrible things and then one or two not horrible things. I think that's good. What do you think I like of that? that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, the most horrible thing that comes to mind uh, is this shooting in Colorado. Yeah. Which feels wildly familiar. Yep. Um, the thing that struck me most about this one is something you posted, which was a photograph of children walking out. You know, like because all these things honestly do seem to blend together now. Yeah. Um, and it does feel ordinary. Like you said a moment ago, mm, people are going to be past this in days because, yep. and we're going to be thinking about what's next. Yep. And, uh, Maybe another school shooting. Yeah. And yet there's this little girl with her hands over her head, right? Yeah. She's weeping. And it's, uh, you know, and I'm just picturing like, Two hours ago, this kid was in a STEM class, right? right? You know, like she's probably brilliant and just trying to learn something. Yep. There was an anthropology class you noted somewhere, right? Yeah. University of North Carolina, though, one week before. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that images can change a culture. I mean, I do, you know, there's the famous Vietnam War image, right? With the gun to the head. I I think that um, it's possible. I'm I'm done predicting. I'm done um, feeling like this is going to be the one. This is going to be the thing that changes us. I I don't know if there is any one thing or series of things, but I do think images can sear into our brains in a way that words sometimes don't. Um, and so I think partly that's what's so powerful about this one is that, you know, there were photographers on the scene catching these kids coming out, you know, getting loaded onto buses to go to the parent reunification center. The fact that we have parent reunification centers makes my blood boil. It's a horrifying term. It's a horrifying term and schools have them. And then I'm thinking, does my school have one? And actually, I don't know where it is and I better get on that. And so these are the things that all of us are thinking about as we read these headlines, right? I mean, the thing that I would be eager to hear from you is, um, this is a conversation I was having with some friends Friday night about um, the value of... um, scaring our kids with reality right versus the value of keeping them shielded and innocent a little longer and we've talked about this in various you know to- uh, among various topics before but um we were talking about i was talking to a group of friends one of whom had um really horribly um ha- had a had an attempted kidnapping when she was a kid a car pulled up and tried to pull her into into the car and a neighbor screamed and and the car drove away. But um, she talked about how she had never told her parents about that when it happened. She was in second grade and it just sort of didn't occur to her to tell her parents. So, of course, no one told the police. So, of course, you know, that's you can take that to where you want to in your imagination. But, um, you know, all of us, of course, didn't 
blame her. It was like, yeah, in second grade, you don't know. Like, right. you don't know what you you know what's normal or what's going to just like cause your parents to be mad or sad or you know you. Kids protect their parents. And I think and there is this idea that parents might get mad. Like, right. you, right? like yeah. oh, I'm going to make my, my mom's going to be mad at me. Why did you walk her. home alone? Yeah. Or, right. what, yeah, something. I told you not to get in a car, into anybody's car. And, you right. Know, you you and don't know. So, anyway, we talked about like whether those are the kinds of stories we should tell our kids or not. This morning I was listening to NPR with my son in the car and he heard about the Colorado shooting. And, and, you know, I tend to be, um, I tend to take more of a, here's the reality that we live around approach with my kids. Um, partly because, you know, um, we live in a city where a bunch of kids are, you know, living in and among gun violence daily, not just when it, you know, completely randomly and also predictably hits their, you know, affluent white school. Right. Um, but also because I guess I want them to be, um, street smart. Yep. So I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to get your take on that. I mean, is there one right approach or is this something that families just have to decide on their own? Like I, I, I want to shield my kid from that terrible stuff. I'm not going to tell them about the news. I feel like it's more important for them to have a protected childhood or. I wish I, I wish we had the option. Of yeah. that in a way, you know, mm. but I don't I don't think we do yeah. I, just just because so much information is available to every and, and we, I feel like I've said this 10 times, but so much information is available to every kid every day that, you know, like the idea that there was a shooting in a school yesterday. If you have a first grader, is there any way that kid doesn't know? You know right. what I mean? Any, any I, I feel like that that's such a that would be such a random event now. You yeah. Know? And to have a first grader who hasn't gone through lockdown drills, right. who has never heard anyone talking about a school shooting. Yeah. 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 And I think most of these kids go through several lockdown drills a year. Yeah. You know, like our mine sure I, have. I remember when I, when I was a kid, the only drill we had was a. Um, well, I, I lived just off of a flight path at uh, O'Hare, uh-huh. so somehow we our, our hurricane drill was the same as the oh. flight path drill. Where, <laughs> where a plane we, veers off the runway and hits a pla- you? If a plane veers off the runway, we go sit in the hall and cover our heads. Oh. Like somehow that, <laughs> I'm not sure that would have helped, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Luckily. Wait, where did you grow up? I grew up in Park Ridge. Wait, and you you had hurricane drills? Where was the we, hurricane uh, going to so hit we, we had We had tornado drills. Oh, tornado. I'm sorry. Okay. Tor- thank you. Tornado. <laughs> Like Lake Michigan hurricanes? <laughs> I'm not sure about this school you went to. <laughs> well, it was a Catholic school in the northwest okay. suburbs. So we God weren't very hip to what was happening around us. Sent a hurricane. Anything could to have happened. Smote you. Okay, yeah. got it. It could have rained frogs right. for somebody's <laughs> sins at I second see. in second grade. I see. Okay. <laughs> anyway, carry on. In any event, um, so, you know, and we would laugh. Or, th- th- that was a blast for right. us. You know, like that was, we would look forward to that. We mm-hmm. get out of math or whatever, you know. Yep. Um, now, you know, these lockdown drills, they freak kids out, you yeah. know, like, um, I, I told you a little while ago, I, I've gotten every time there's a, a school shooting, somebody writes me and says, you know, I'm not going to school today mm-hmm. and, you know, and kind of like we'll meet later today, but good luck convincing me I'm safe Yeah, because you can't, you right. know what I mean? And, 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 and you can't. The more often this happens, the more I can't, you know? And so there's this. And we won't spend a lifetime on this, but there's this diagnostic category that is starting to show up more and more and more called school refusal. Mm-hmm. And it looks like kind of this like 
um, antisocial behavior or, you know, something obstinate and difficult. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to make me as a parent, my life difficult. Most of these kids are afraid to go to school for cause, right? They're, they're yeah. actually thinking things through and picturing a scenario that is wretched, you know, yep. um, that's based in reality. So it's very difficult, I think, to protect your kids from the news. And it's it's very little comfort to kids. And I give kids credit for this in a weird way, that um, uh, this is not likely to happen to you. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, like, uh, I think that would have worked for me and for a lot of people in my generation. Yeah. We'd have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. You know, like, uh, I would have moved on, you know? Right. Um, now, I think kids are very hip to the idea that, like, oh, that's not true. This this feels pretty random. It feels like any angry kid, right. any upset kid, any distraught kid who has access to a weapon can show up. Yep. Yeah. I think um, if we are going to talk to our kids honestly about these topics, we probably should couple it with something useful for them, right? Yep. So, like, so here's what you do in that situation. Yep. Yep. Or here's who you look for in that situation. Or here are some of the ways that we can advocate for change so this situation is not what we're stuck with forever. And, and kids like that. I mean, I find the kids like the idea of, okay, what do I do? How do I prevent this? How do I prevent this from happening to other kids? Yeah. And I know there's a lot of us that think that this is an entitled, you know, generation that only cares about their selfies, but that's not what I find. Mm-hmm. I find that if we give them a path to help out in some way or to kind of um, get behind a cause yeah. in some way. So if it's a, if it's against gun violence, it's about mental illness and, you know, um, kind of taking the stigma away from that. Mm-hmm. Kids want to be part of that. Yeah. Really want to be part of that stuff. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's the upside of having them be a little world weary and yeah. wizened even at a young age. Right. Right. Yeah. But also there, we were talking about Another shooting just about a week ago mm-hmm. where there was an 18-year-old ma- young boy who jumped on the shooter in order 21 to— 21-year-old. 21-year-old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a lot of kids I've worked with since then have said, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, be that hero. kid who's the hero. And, you know, um, I, I might die, but that's—so that's, that's so there's this fantasy also that some kids are playing out yeah. of, you know, I want to save everybody. Yeah. Thinking, like, really seriously, this could very well happen. Yeah. And it could. Well, and you know what? If that's what in their head helps them, you know, um, feel some modicum of control over a epidemic, really, that they have no control over. Yeah. That I guess that's okay. Absolutely. I, that that's bottom line is you know kind of whatever they're going through, I think is okay. And as long as they feel like they like to your point, as long as they feel they have something they can do, some direction they can go, I yeah, think they feel better. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay, maybe we shouldn't stay on that topic let's, let's shift much gears. longer. Okay, yes. let's shift gears. Let's shift gears. Um, but I'm glad we talked about it because, um, I mean, it's certainly on my mind. And, and it feels gross to gloss over this stuff just because we're used to it. That doesn't super gross make any pathway toward change. And it's also, I feel, like utterly disrespectful to the people whose lives yesterday or any given day have been forever altered in a horrible, horrible way. Yeah. And, and so I, we're here we are in Chicago, like, well, I don't want to talk I don't want to be a downer. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to do that either. No, so, it, it's interesting because we, we sit down usually, you and I, and we talk about like, okay, so what do we want to talk about here? Yeah. And um, you know, I I wanted to talk you've written some great pieces that we're gonna we'll get to that I really want that 
fired me up. I, I oh, love okay. thinking about it. We'll get to that. But, um, but when something like this happens, I feel like if we don't talk about it, then we're – we're kind of making it super normal, yep. and um, it, it that and that freaks me out. Yep. You know, as somebody who works with kids, um, and I'm crazy about the kids I work with. Like, whenever you get to spend an hour with any kid, it, it can be the most obstinate, troublemaking monster of a kid, uh. <laughs> and they're all awesome. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, totally. even that is an you, you find out like, oh my god, I love you. You're the yeah. best. You know, um, and so. There, you know, there isn't an awful kid out there. You yep. know, like you can I, I bring anybody, any adult, you know, if you get to sit down with a teenager yeah. who, uh, a boy, girl, um, straight A student, biggest troublemaker in any class anywhere, yeah. you're going to fall in love with that kid. Yeah. That's just going to happen. Yep. Um, and, you know, knowing that they're afraid, I cannot stand it. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's where we, we're both coming from here. Yeah. It's like, you know, and I'm with you, like. I don't know what the event is going to be that's going to make us change. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, you would think it'd be any one of these. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you would have thought. But I think that, and I said this in the column this morning, I think that change is a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that it's it's just as dangerous to look at this and throw our hands up and go like, well, nothing changed after Sandy Hook. Nothing changed after Parkland. Nothing changed after Columbine. So that's that. And give up because right. um, then really nothing changes. Right. I, I don't think we can give up. No, no, not at yeah. all. No, I think we have to be motivated by each one. Like, And, and hopefully there are no more, you know, yeah. but, but I think unless we do something dramatic and institutional and sweeping um, in a couple of different areas. And we've talked about some of those in, yep. the, in the Parkland um, podcast we did a while back. Yeah. 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 Um, then then this won't change. Right. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to hear about um, all the columns I wrote that you loved. So, uh, <laughs> well, of course you do. Um, so you, you somehow you touched a nerve in the past few days with a lot of people, I think, but with me also, uh-huh. you um, wrote about cars. Right? Oh, yes. You wrote about your car that you uh, you brought in and um, and all the memories in the 10, 10 11, 11 years that you've yeah. had these, have yep. this car. It's um, older than my youngest kid, that car. That is amazing, right? And so it holds these cars, hold these memories yeah. for us, right? And um, this was kind of a friend that you had to give up, even though it wasn't like the greatest thing in the world. Right. And you're talking about all the dents and dings and yep. some kind of plastic thing that fell off of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I knew cars better, I'd know the official name of it. All I know is it was on my car when I bought it, and then it was suddenly not on my car anymore. <laughs> and the car still drove. <laughs> yeah, so as long as it works, it's fine, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I decided finally to trade my car in because it was 11 years old, and it was all dinged up, and it was making this crazy grinding sound. And we have a bunch of road trips coming up this summer, and I was like, ugh, I can either fix these stupid brakes again, or I can use the money to fix the brakes to, you know, put a down payment or a first couple car payments on a new car. So I, I did, that's what I did. I traded in the car. I got a pre-owned HRV. Oh, 2016. Yes. Very nice. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Um, but before I did that, I wrote sort of a farewell column to the car, which I was a little embarrassed to be doing. And then what always happens is, um, all these lovely readers started sending me their farewell columns, essentially, to their cars. And I was like, you know what? These things are characters in our life story, aren't they? They are. Um, and so, oddly enough, I and maybe this is just because I'm paying attention and I'm like a little car obsessed right now. Uh-huh. But I, I, I've talked to a couple of clients, one who was in his car while I was talking to him. Um, 
uh, it's actually a truck, in fairness. And he okay. was in Colorado. And he said, this is my sanctuary. This mm. is my office. This is my, everything in here is me. You know, wow. like all the, 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 I've got a pad of paper here that I can write on that I shouldn't be writing on while I'm driving, but it's an open Colorado highway. And um, and he just loves his sanctuary. He mm. likes, listens to his music in there. And it got him from Chicago all the way out to Colorado. And he's grateful to it for moving him and his girlfriend safely. And Aww. yeah. And so I was thinking like, OK, so why do cars have this big emotional pull on me? And it always, for me personally, it always comes back to my dad who was a car guy. Like, you know, he and I would take these road trips down to Florida. Uh-huh. And um, and if there was a Packard parked at the side of the road, which in Florida, some cars don't age somehow in Florida and California because <laughs> like, there's no salt on the road. Yeah, so they, no, like, I think that's they're true. Around forever. Yeah. And so, and he was like an old car guy. And so if there was a Packard, he'd be like, Johnny, pull over. Yeah. Just pull, <laughs> I'd pull over, and then I would get a, a, a disposable camera out mm-hmm. because we. This is my dad died twenty years ago, and this is new a new thing then. And um, he'd be like, "Get a picture of me with the Packard." I'm like, "Dad, you can't touch oh, the guy's car. <laughs> that's someone else's car, Dad." <laughs> and and it had running boards, so he could like like step up oh, on it and oh lean my on God. it. Yeah, yeah. And so and and I have many pictures of my father with all these vintage cars. Someone else's yeah. vintage cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he was this car guy. And so I always thought, well, I've got to be a car guy. I got to, I got to pay attention to what kind of car uh, I drive. Oh yeah. So when we bought our, now I feel like telling my story. Can no, I just tell yeah, my story? Yeah, I want to hear it. I'm dying so when to hear I bought, it. When we bought our most recent car, we um, we had this Ford Explorer, and since my son was little, we took our road trips, like mm-hmm. just like you did, and yep. um, and somehow it became this character, right? You know, and, and we fell in love with this car. Because we've gone all the way out west, we've gone all the way to the coast, we've gone east with it, we've gone south with it, we've been to Iowa, where my wife is from, many times with it, and um, and George started putting stickers. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, on the passenger uh-huh. side, like Jimmy John stickers and Pokemon uh-huh. stickers, and, like and all these things, and we never touched them. Somehow that became this sacred like graffiti spot yeah, <laughs> in the totally. car, yeah. and. Um, and so we went to turn that car in to buy this other car. Yeah. And we were so freaky sentimental. Uh, Julie turns to me at one point. She's like, I think, we can we keep the Explorer? Maybe we got to keep the Explorer. It's got the and stickers. So, yeah. <laughs> like idiots. We, we don't need this other car. Yeah. And yet there it sits in the driveway. You still have it? No, we oh. got rid of it eventually, but we kept it for at least a couple of years Aww. just because we couldn't. We couldn't do what you did. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't let go. We were that freaky sentimental about it. Yeah. And now the car we have that we've had for nine years, we're going to have the same problem. Like, yeah. we're going to start accumulating them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're the Jay Leno of whatever suburb you live in. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> how big is your garage? Uh, not big enough. There are no cars in the garage. I've never used the garage somehow. But, oh. um, but the, it, it is, it's fascinating how. Um, how memories come up when yes. you read something like this column of yours. And, you know, I think about all the cars and where they took me. My first car was um, somewhere you mentioned this morning, a Trans Am. Mine yeah. was a Firebird, which is um, which was an absurd car for a 21-year-old. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize how... Is douchey a fair word to, to yeah, throw out here? Yeah, that's the first one I thought I, of. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> um, so I had the very douchey red Firebird. Uh-huh. It was a ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I kind of drove this naively at 22 and proudly, you know, through yeah. Lincoln Park and stuff. Oh, totally. Um, 
And uh, and I have really fond memories of that. And when I when Julie and I started dating, we would take road trips in this thing that was not built for road trips. I mean, it's not built for anything. Right. You know? <laughs> it's built for sitting so in a we driveway. Would slide on ice, and you know, there was if, if a rock was higher than about two inches off the ground, it would like completely tear out the bottom. I mean, it was a disaster of a yeah. car. I loved every second I ever spent. It. Totally. Yeah. And and you still have it. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I do not still have oh, it. Okay. And, and I. One thing I find about cars in my life is there's a soundtrack to every car. Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. Like, I remember, like, the, that what album came out when I had the Firebird yeah. that I would listen to nonstop because, you know, it had a CD player and everything. Yeah. Maybe a tape player. I think it was a tape Pro- player. Probably a tape player. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say for me, I think my cars have represented um, some sort of independent streak yeah. That I have. And um, I can remember graduating from college and buying my first car with my own money and feeling very proud of that. And 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 just this past. It, well, I think I think also it's I mean, th- it, there is a metaphor for movement. Right. I mean, it, it does take you from one place to another and almost like your client said with the truck that took him and his girlfriend to Colorado, it can take you from a bad place to a better one. And I mean, I touched on that a little bit with the column about trading in my old CRV. It did, you know, it, I, I left a marriage in that CRV and I moved into a tiny condo with my kids in that CRV and, and all the shit that didn't fit in our condo (laughs) stayed in the CRV, like my vacuum and all their, all their winter gear that I didn't have a closet for. Um, but I will say also when I went to get a new car, um, just this past weekend, I asked both my kids, like, hey, is it, who wants to go with me? I'm going to go look at this HRV that I found online because um, I had been specifically looking for a pre-owned HRV with a certain number of miles. And uh, my son didn't want to go. My daughter wanted to. So my daughter and I went and test drove cars together and sat there and haggled with a dealer together and worked on the financing together. And at one point, you know, like one of the seven trips that the guy takes into the manager's office to find out if he can (laughs) get you 3.9 financing versus five, whatever. Crazy Um, dance. What a crazy dance that happens. So obnoxious. But I turned to her and I was like, babe, I don't. I don't think Granny, that's my mom, I don't think Granny ever bought a car. And um, I'm like, I think Pap, that's my dad, I think Pap bought all the cars. And June was like, oh, there's no way she bought a car. And um, I was like, isn't that funny that, like, just in one generation that, you know, my parents raised a daughter who goes and buys cars when she needs a car. Right. Um, But in their marriage like he very much bought the cars like i don't i can't imagine my mom negotiating with some guy at you know the honda and clark for better financing and i can't imagine myself not doing it that's fascinating and here's my daughter with me and she at 13 was like okay now i see how this works oh wow they park their cars like the honda dealership we went to they park their cars in the millennium park garage because it's in the middle of downtown and they don't have sprawling parking lots like they do in you know a car dealership in rockford or whatever um So she learned how that works. And then, you know, she sat in the front seat while the guy was in our back seat while we test drove. And then we went back and then we talked about how I was pre-approved by my credit union. But, oh, I can give you a better deal. And blah, 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 blah. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, I don't know. I just felt like, um, man, this is cool. Like, I felt cool. You that know? is cool. And there's something cool about, like, 
there's this gender shift that's happened, yeah. right? Because I'm thinking like, oh yeah, when my dad was alive, my mom never had anything to do with buying the cars, right? right? Um, when he passed away, she bought this Buick and she was super proud of doing that in her 70s, yeah. like really, really felt good about that. Um, and she was she handled it really, really well. Like she kind of haggled the guy down way better than my my dad was such a sucker. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was an AA, and um, and he noticed when I bought my first my my Firebird, um, the guy uh, at the dealership had an AA coin on his desk, oh. so we didn't haggle at all because it was just like. Oh, we're just going to pay because yep. we have this thing in common. We're both now sober. Yeah. Now we'll just pay I'll you pay more money. I'll pay full price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was far savvier than that. But do you feel yeah. like you and June, you feel like you're setting a new standard here of cool? A little bit. I mean, I I think, yeah, I, I, I highly doubt she will find herself in a relationship at any point where she has um, surrendered buying power or decision-making power to her partner. I just, it's not her personality, but I also think she is seeing it not be that way. Yeah. And this is not to say that you know, a relationship where, you know, one person makes most of the money decisions or purchasing decisions is not right. If that's how you have it set up and it works for you, that's lovely. I, that has never felt okay for me. And so right. I think the fact that I could have that morning with my daughter um, and drive away in a new um, certified pre-owned uh, <laughs> car felt good to me. And I do. Right. I think that cars do feel like freedom to people. Definitely. I think they do. Yeah. And a lot of the notes I was getting from readers had that narrative woven through it. Right. Yep. Yep. And and it does feel like, you know, here's this thing that provided me all of this freedom and all of these memories that are attached to that freedom. Yep. And like, oh, it's tough to get rid of. It is. It's so hard, right? I mean, because you're you're letting go of some memories. There was one letter you received where somebody felt like they were abandoning their little one. Their old the, pal at the dealership. Their good pal. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a brutal moment. You I know. Because I definitely felt that way. I remember watching our Explorer drive away when somebody came and bought it at our house and thinking like, oh, I'm never, you know, they're there she goes and that's it it's yeah. over you know we're never going to see her again yeah oh it was brutal yeah, yeah totally i i also i wonder um so in the city a lot of times kids turn 16 or 17 or 18 and haven't bothered to get their license this happens and, in the suburbs too okay, by the way that was going to be my question yeah. do you see clients who are kind of like um oh, what do i need a license for i can uber or i can it's unbel- it's so striking to me 16th birthday meant so much when I was a kid. Oh, my God. We were at the DMV when it opened on our 16th birthday. That's what everybody did. Oh, it was a rite of passage. Totally. um, I worked with a kid last night. He's 17. He's like, "Eh, I'll get to it. Yeah. You know, he's he's very nonchalant because he's like, I can Uber whenever I want and it's fine. And so that's his freedom. Yeah. And this generate my my son is 23. He's never had a car. He's never bought a car. He's kind of like, well, I can use the car if I need to. And if you guys are... Using it, then I'll Uber and it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and, and there's something that that makes my heart sink a little bit with that. There's this lost art of like buying a car like you were talking about. And then just the idea of taking a drive, like the idea of like bringing your stress mm. level down. And I'm just going to go and, and not that this is a good thing environmentally to do yeah. or anything. But when <laughs> I was a kid, the, the anchor for me was the, the way to get away from my family mm-hmm. and the noise was just like to go and drive for a little yeah, while. Yeah, turn music and, on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was freedom. Yeah. And it did feel cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think what I'm watching with my daughter, who's now old enough to take the CTA um, on her own, you know, here and there, um, is that getting that sense of freedom from something else. You know, I mean, I do think, um, you know, she even if I'm home and I can drive her somewhere, if the bus is an option, she kind of wants to take the bus. That's awesome. Because it's like, no, but then I'm getting there without my mom dropping me. Yeah. She's only in seventh grade. You know, she's not yet embarrassed to have a mom. Right. Um, but there's still, I think, that that little bit of freedom and that little bit of cool in getting somewhere without your parents dropping you. And for us, that's what happened when you turned 16. Like, Definitely. oh, finally, I'll even just go buy milk, you know, just something <laughs> where, like, I'm in charge of getting there and back yeah. and someone didn't drive me. And so I do think that, you know, city kids anyway, or kids who live in places with public transportation um, can get a little bit of that sense with, you know, just someone besides their parents getting Definitely. them to and from. Um, Definitely. But, I've got yeah. I've got um, one of my best friends lives in the city. Um, friends, the family, and um, they've got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, and those kids know how to get around the city in with such facility. I think they like the industry of that. The you know yeah. that 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 they know how to do that. You yep. know they don't need a car. They don't yep. need anything to get anywhere they need to go. And with between their phone and their pass to get on the CTA, they're like. I can, where do you want to go? Yeah. I will get you there. You know, like, and there, there's something kind of cool about that. Too. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And actually there's all these little life lessons that pop up. And my daughter the other day said, um, oh, this guy was being weird on the bus. So I got off and waited for the next one. And I was like, oh, kind of amazing that you Seriously. knew to do that. I didn't tell her to do that. Um, she figured that out. Yeah. And, you know, that takes a certain number of like steps ahead in your head. Like, okay, another bus will come. Right. Um, right. You know, like you're, it takes a little planning uh-huh. um, and also a little living in the moment. Like, I feel weird. I'm going to get off. Um, and so, you know, there's some just basic life skills that come with, um, you know, being getting to and from a place without your parents. There's a uh, there's a book um, called The Gift of Fear. It's probably 15 years old mm. now. And, um, you know. It sounds like your daughter kind of had this moment where she was like, mm, something doesn't feel quite right here. Yeah. And she listened to it, right? Yeah. I, I think that's really cool when you like you have this thing and it's like, it's not abundantly clear what's going on, but something doesn't feel quite right. I'm going to trust that. I'm going to step off. Yeah. And I'll wait. Yeah. You know, like there's something really cool about recognizing I know how to take care of myself in that way. Yeah. And it's just like I have an, an instinct for um, self-awareness and taking care of myself. Beautifully in that way, like yeah. elegantly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think that um, it, it's really important to let our kids feel their feelings, right? Definitely. Um, yes. Whatever they are. Because mm-hmm. I, that just hit me as like a really concrete example of why you don't say like, stop crying or you're not sad or whatever, you know. Oddly, it brings, it feels like it brings our conversation a little full circle, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, um, I know I've witnessed parents in the wake of, a school shooting, mm-hmm. uh, try to talk their kids out of being anxious. Yeah. You know, don't worry about it. This isn't going to happen here. You know, like mm-hmm. we're in a very safe place. Mm-hmm. And and kids are very savvy. They recognize like, well, Columbine, Parkland. Like, yeah. you know, what Sandy What Hook, makes my school right, immune to this? I couldn't possibly be perfectly safe, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, maybe a lot, 
allowing our kids to feel what they feel, even if it's fear, yep. is and honoring that is important. Yeah. It probably is one of the most important things we can do instead of shutting them down and saying, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know? I'm learning this as I go. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I've always been pretty good at not, I- I've been pretty good at not talking my kids out of what they tell me they're feeling um, or trying to rename it with something different. Because um, I actually feel like I, my mom did that to me as a kid and it drove me nuts. But, um, hmm. but it's, um, it's tricky. But I, I think the easiest thing is to just sort of um, validate it, right? Not even feel the need to like get it to a better place, but just like, yeah, that is scary. Yep. Or man, I, that would make me mad. I can see why you're mad. Kind of just like you would with a friend. We've talked about this before too, but yep. you know, I think sometimes we get into like grown up mode, like, okay, they've admitted this. Now I have to fix it or correct it or right. police it. And it's like, or you could just go with it. Yep. And just and just honor it and say, well, that sucks. Yeah. Or, that's Oof, scary. That is scary. Yeah. Yeah. And a, as a therapist, I've learned over time, like, oh, I don't. Nobody's looking for me to solve anything necessarily. Ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. Mostly people want to be hurt. They right. want to know, like, they want to be validated. They want to know that they're on a path of what they're feeling that makes sense. You yeah. know. And it's like if somebody says, "Yep, I get it," or "I don't get it yet," you explain it to me more. Yeah. You know. Or like, well, now what should I do? Yeah, you know. And then I think you'd kick in with some answers. Oh, but for sure. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't have to be your first reflex, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to really understand, like you know, because sometimes just I'm afraid doesn't get you very far. It's like mm. you know, well, tell me, draw, paint me that picture a little bit. Tell yeah. me specifically what we're talking about here. You yeah. Know? Because some we can guess, but our guesses are often wrong. I find, I do that all the time where I'm like, you know, I presume I understand what a kid's talking about and they'll be like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, in marriage too, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Where the person says one thing and you're like, oh, then you're feeling blah, blah, blah. They're like, mm, no. Yeah, in marriage <laughs> we get in these patterns of communicating, right? And, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, and we have to take a step out of them and say, wait a minute. I'm not sure I understand fully what you're talking about. Let me make sure I get it you know, yeah. before we move on. And sometimes working with couples, sometimes that's everything. It's like, you know, okay, do you finally understand what I'm talking about. That's really all I need. Right. You know, like I, I don't expect I'm working, working with um, a couple of couples now where they have some fundamental upset about the nature of the division of labor. You and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, and uh, one couple in particular, um, she's on the road traveling a lot and working. He's at home way more. And they feel like there's this kind of like um, it's not very equal. Mm-hmm. But they realize that, uh, okay, we can't really change that. Mm-hmm. But at least we want to acknowledge like, you know, this sucks for me and this part sucks for me. Yeah. Do you get that? Like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. Okay, good. If yeah. you do, then I can, then I can breathe. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. But That's if you don't, huge. I, that will drive me crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know me? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you recognize what my life is like generally day to day? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not that hard, but no. it's really hard. <laughs> it's su- super hard and super easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means yeah. getting out of your own head for a moment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God, that's everything. It is, right? Yeah. All right. Have we used a half hour? Of oh, yeah. And this time? has been a labyrinth. I hope people can make sense of what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, this is life, though, right? Yep. I mean, you're hit with um, 
tragedy and um, funny little anecdotes and questions and fear and what to do with it all like daily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and I hope that we're getting across like that idea that um, will, we have to give a nod to the tragedy and the awful. And, um, but we also have to like have some of the joy. We got to talk about our cars and yeah. like, you know, what that brings in our life, because if we don't have that balance, then, then everything's awful, yeah. you know, and we can't, we can't have that either. You know, there's no juice, there's no momentum or bank account to launch from. from yep. There. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. All yeah. right. Thanks for working through it with me. Thanks for working through it with me. <laughs> uh, this is on purpose. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.